Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. song says give thanks and that's what we do amen how many are thankful for everything God's done for you amen don't you know the Bible said that he renews your strength and he just can't put you in a place where the blessings just follow you and chase you down the book of Thomas said goodness and mercy follow me all the days of the Lord and so I just give him praise I give him glory amen how many brought your Bible with you today I hope that you did because we're going to get into the word this morning and begin to accomplish some things today. So let's make our confession as we go before the Lord. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed the Word of God, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, shout hallelujah. Amen. One more time louder. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Give Him praise. Let that come out of you as your spirit speaks forth from your heart and your life. Let me get to where I need to be right here uh, looking in Scripture and uh, sort of just going to take just a moment or two to look at a couple things. And then we're headed toward the Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. But uh, keep in mind, our text that I've been reading uh, for the last several weeks comes from the book of Luke, chapter 4 and verse 36. And the scripture tells us that when Jesus began his ministry, he encountered a man with a demonic spirit. Having cast the spirit out with his word, everyone was so amazed. So verse 36, they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this? Everybody say word. Notice what a word is. Well, going to answer it. What a word is this? Exclamation point. For with authority and power, that's the kind of word it is. It's a word of authority and power. He commands the unclean spirits and they come out. How many knows that devils obey the word of God? Nothing has changed. The word of God that has been issued out of the mouth of Christ uh, these many years ago, almost 2,000 years ago now, continues in the earth today. And the word had become flesh through Christ. And Christ went back to heaven, left us his word, left us the power of the Holy Spirit. And now that same authority and same power that was in the word when Christ is on earth is in earth right now. And what I've been trying to emphasize to us is this. If as Christians we, we are looking for something more than what the Bible says that we are to look for, then we're going to be very sadly disappointed. If uh, there is a way that God works, and we discover what this way is that God works, and yet we still try to do it another way, you're going to be very disappointed in life. People still 
when they, I don't know, I think it's a worldly idea, when they hear that word God and they think supreme being, and they don't, some of them don't think Father God, but he is our Father, and they, they understand that and they say, well, God just can does this, that, and that, whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, any way he wants to, ever how he wants to, and no matter what I do or what I don't do. And that's just not the case as we look at the authority of the believer throughout the Bible. And the Scripture teaches us, that Christ Jesus spoke with power and authority. And if you and I are going to receive things in our life, it's going to be that way. Let me, let me give you some ideas of people's thinking, how they have changed over the years. Back in 1948 and 1958, there was a thing in the earth. It was called the Healing Moves. And most of the major evangelists that prayed for the sick came up during that time in American history. We could go back and trace some other times where there was big moves of God. But that was probably about the biggest one that uh, we've seen uh, in the last 100 years that took place during that time. And uh, there were times when God engifted men with gifts of the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and he still does today, of course, but engifted men with gifts of the Holy Ghost. And then it made it super easy for people to receive something because maybe a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, the nine gifts would flow forth. And as they would, uh, people relied on what they heard and what they saw, and it became an easy thing for them to receive. The problem became was then when they left that environment of faith and in giftedness, uh, then they were standing before the devil for themselves, and the devil would test and try and tempt them. And not all, not all, but some of them lost what they had gotten. Or Robert's coined a phrase many years ago, and he said it like this, what you get through faith, you can lose through doubt. Anything you get through faith, you can lose through doubt. William Branham said it like this many years ago in his sort of a, a country voice from Kentucky and uh, Indiana, where he was from, Jeffersonville, Indiana, right across the border, all there. Uh, he said it like this many years ago. He said, now it's been thrown up to me. The way he talks, it's been thrown up to me that some people have, have lost their healing after they get out of the anointing. And he would talk about it like that. And while in the anointing, uh, they can receive. But outside of the anointing, then they're standing on their own. And, and what you see happening is this, is people are looking for uh, things like that where God is concerned that God come down and just do it for me. God, just give me a creative miracle. God, just make me this, do this, or make me want to do this, or make me want to do that, or just force it on me, God, whatever. Just whatever you want to do, God, just do it. And yet I find in Scripture, for the believer, for the person who has received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he is required to live by his faith. Almost five times in Scripture, the Bible tells us, the just shall live by faith. Everybody say, the just shall live by faith. So how am I to live? I am to live by faith. What is faith? Faith is substance things to hope for, the other things not seen, as the Bible says in Hebrews 11. 1. Faith is simply believing that what God has said is so, is absolutely so, that it is true. And so I go into the Word of God, and I look and see what it says, and I live my life that way. That's the way... We are, most of us receive something from God today. There are intervention times. There are in gifted times. There are other times that can still may and certainly does work in our earth today. But for the majority of the things that you're going to receive in your life are going to be the things that you receive by faith standing on the word of Almighty God. Now, notice the word is with authority and with power. They're in, in, encompassing the Word of God is this authority or right to command. You've got the right to command. I don't know if you understand quite what that means, but that means in the spiritual realm where devils and demons and ungodly and wicked spirits are concerned, you have the right to command them. You do not have the right to command other believers. You do not have the right as, as such to command sinners. If you could... 
we would just get up and decree all over America today that everybody here is righteous and everybody gets saved and bam, everyone got saved. But you know it doesn't work that way. Everyone is a free moral agent. Everyone has their own right to choose whom they shall serve. As Joshua told us, as was demonstrated in the Garden of Eden when God gave Adam and Eve that power of choice. And so people have that right. And so the area that you and I can exercise our authority in is in the spiritual realm of standing on the Word of God, exercising the Word of God over the adversaries of our life that come against us. And so when things come against us, we had that right several years ago. Uh, I was thinking along this line several years ago with W.R. Grace Company uh, here in, uh, well, they're a multinational company. But uh, anyway, they sued me for some property that was behind my house that I didn't own. And uh, they wanted to get to their property, and, and so they were coming through it. So I, I couldn't just go and pray and, and say, God, I cursed W.R. Grace. Lord, in Jesus' name, command them all to die. And all. No, I couldn't do that. I didn't have any authority to do that. What I did have authority to do is God helped me and give me the knowledge and wisdom that I need to get me through this thing. And so as they sued me and for, for that property behind me, eight and a half acres that was back there, and uh, to get access to it, and I said, well, I'm not giving you access unless you pay me to get your road through my property, and I'm not letting you go through the middle of my property either and cut it up either. Uh, I'll tell you where the road goes, and I'm going to tell you how much you're going to pay me. If you don't want to do that, then go ahead and keep on suing me. And they said, all right, we'll keep on suing you. And they did. And, and so during that time, I prayed and I sought God, and God ministered to me enough knowledge and wisdom uh, to represent my own self in court, because I didn't trust somebody else to do it, represent my own self in court and go to the court. And where three attorneys were on the other side, and I was on the other side, and they were all against me. My next-door neighbor had filed a lawsuit with the attorneys and joined them against me. The other neighbors on the other side had done the same thing. I mean, just everybody was against me. They all were. There's no question about it. And so I'm praying, and I'm talking to God. And time after time after time after time, God intervenes. And he tells me things, and he speaks to me things. The night before, one of the, the things, right when they dropped the case, the night before I was to have a deposition, the Lord spoke to me to read in this particular law book that I had. I went to the page, thousand-page book, went to the page, read that one page, and said, okay, there it is, I don't know. But the next day, I used that information that God gave me, and because of that, rather than them... Uh, you know, getting access through my property, I ended up owning their eight and a half acres of land that they got. I mean, I own the thing now. They never did get right away. They never did get anything they wanted. And I ended up, you say, how can that be that somebody else sues you for something that they own, they want to get to, and you end up owning? Well, I said, like, it's only God. That's how it works. It's God. But now if I just said, oh, no, I don't know what to do, and I'll go hire an attorney, and I'll get this attorney and, and let him fight him, let him do it. Well, I, I can't trust him. I mean, you know, there's some things that attorneys know a whole lot more than me, for sure. But in this situation, in this deal that I was in, I knew that God would lead and guide me in the proper way, and he did, and it, the outcome was successful. Now, I used my authority that I had in the earth, which was to do what God had empowered me to do and use what God empowered me to use. But I, I did not use that authority uh, to them and command them, you'll do this and you'll do that and you'll do this and you'll do that. I didn't have the right to do that. Some people think that when you get in the middle of a circumstance, that just because you pray that all of a sudden it all goes away. But it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. When Jesus rebuked the fig tree, and going into Jerusalem in the last week of his life here on earth and re rebuked the fig tree, it didn't die that minute. It was the next day coming through, and the disciples looked with amazement and said, Jesus, look at the tree you cursed. It's dead. 
So in other words, when you do things in the realm of the Spirit, depending on the circumstance and the situation that is going on, when you exercise your authority in the realm of the Spirit, it may not happen instantly. Some things do. But it may not happen instantly. It may take some time for it to happen. And it's during that time that we stand our ground. It's that time that we maintain our faith and we do not get off of the Word because there's where your authority and your power is. It's in the Word of God. Everybody say, authority is found in the Word. Found in the Word. Now, if you're looking for it to come some other place, some other way, uh, we were singing that song, I'll Fly Away, this morning, and when we practiced it before we came in about 9.30, uh, we was going through it, and A.J. went through it, and he says, um, we're just going to do the first verse and the chorus and this, that, and the other, and he got through, and I noticed he left out the, the third verse, which was, just a few more happy days, and then, oh, I'll fly away. I said, A.J., you can't leave that out. I said, us Pentecostals, we always sing that verse. If we don't sing any other verse, we sing that verse. That's what we do. And so, you know, the, the thing is this, is you not need to learn that, that God moves in the earth, and you and I have a say in what is done and what is not done. And we believe what God is doing in the earth. All right, look with me. Let me, let me sort of move on. We, we talked about that. Go all the way to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and then verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, and then verse 12. Now, notice, let me get there with you over here on the old iPad here, or the young iPad, whatever it is. Uh, I know it's going to be there one day. If I keep moving my finger, I'm going to get it. All right, Hebrews 4 and 12. Okay. In Hebrews 4.12, the Bible tells us, For the word of God is quick, King James language, means alive or means living. We talked a little bit about this last Sunday. When the word of God is quick, it is powerful. The word of God is quick, it is alive. It is a living thing. When I look at the Bible that I have here, the content of this book is supernatural it is a living thing. The power that's in this book is greater than the finances you have in the bank. The power in this book is greater than the debts that you have incurred that the book told you don't incur, okay? <laughs> it is greater. The abilities that are found in the Word of God are greater than my natural abilities, there are things that I can do in life, a lot of things I can't do, but there's a lot of things that I can do. And for those things that God has empowered me to do, I do those physically and naturally. That's fine. But for those things I can't do, I find that the book will make those things work in my life. I can't heal myself. I can't recreate any of my organs. I, I can't, you know, multiply my finances supernaturally. But there's power in the book to do that. It is a living book. It's not something that we just read and we say, I hope it works. It's not a promise that we just look at and we say, wouldn't that be great if that was still in the earth today? No, it's a living book right now. And that's what you and I have to know. That's what we have to believe. That's how we have to live our life, that this thing is real. It is more real than anything else that is out there in planet Earth today. It's greater. And I'll say this many times because the Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 7, verse 17, at the bottom of the line there, right before it gets to chapter 18, and it says, it speaks about Jehovah Elohim is what it says in the Hebrew. We give praise in the name of the Lord God, Most High. Jehovah Elohim, He's Most High. 
And so the Bible says that, that God is the most high God. He is greater than everything on planet earth. That means then that he is greater than every adversary that comes against me. He's greater than every obstacle that comes against me. He's greater than every problem that I will face. And so put in the real world, he is greater, for example, of the bills that you might have to pay. He's greater than it. Everybody say, he's greater. He is greater than that. He is greater. In the real world, he is greater than coronavirus, and coronavirus ain't nothing compared to God's Word. Somebody say amen. amen. Absolutely greater. This is a real, real, real deal. Absolutely. He is greater than anything else on this earth that would come against us, anything that the devil would manipulate or invent or create to try to bring against it. The Bible tells us that God is greater. I've said it over and over again. He's greater than sickness and disease. He's greater than blindness. He's greater than deafness. He's greater than dumbness. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than lameness. He's greater than muscle problems. He's greater than heart problems. He's greater than anything and everything. He is greater. Somebody say he's greater. We get that from the Word. So we don't just get that from the Word and understand that in Psalm 717 and just walk away from it and forget it. No, we live our lives that way. It's alive. It's alive. You say, well, it don't seem alive to me. You're going to have to stay in the book. You're going to have to stay in the book. Okay? Because if it's not alive to you, just do whatever the world tells you to do and take the best that they can give you if it ain't alive to you. But if it is alive to you, you can bank your life on the Word of God. Amen. All right. Now, notice, it is a lie. The Bible goes this far. Say, I mentioned last week about Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words and climb down near to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them. They're health to all their flesh. That's why you need to speak the word of God to your body daily. Tell your body what it should do. Tell your body how you feel. Don't get up and say, I feel bad in the morning. Tell your body, I get up and I feel great. I feel wonderful. I mean, you know, live your life that way. You can be as young or as old as you want to be. I mean, you, you really can't. Live your life just that away. And, and speak that in your heart and speak that into your mind. And, and, and then live that way. I mean, do, do those things. I mean, like, you know, it's been a while since I've done it. Maybe I need to do it. I've done some other things to her. But uh, Sheila, things like short sheet, you know, your husband wife's bed. I mean. Act like everything's normal and pull the sheet up and then they get in the bed and they can't get their feet in. And, and then they get up and hit you with a pillow or something like that and have a pillow fight. I mean, you know, well, I wouldn't do that. That's what young people do. That's what we are, young people. Somebody say amen. That's what we are. Run, run instead of walking. You know, do, do things. Uh, don't park at the heart-healthy places that you park at. When we pull into places like a, in Lawrence, where you can go, Walmart. When you pull into places in Lawrence like Walmart and Ingalls and here and there, we always park in the heart-healthy pl- uh, parking lot. You know where the heart healthy is? That's the one that's way off. That's the one that's way off. We park there. So that way, you know, we're not looking for the first one. We'll give it to somebody that needs it. We don't need it. So we, we, we're going to walk at that far. Walk at that kind of far. If we're in our uh, Dodge, our 71 Dodge, we park way at the back where ain't nobody can park inside of us so nobody won't touch us. But anyway, we go all that kind of way. But, but live your life. If, if the Word of God is alive, and the Bible says in Psalms 107, verse 20, that He sent His Word and healed them, then I got the Word for my healing. Everybody say, I have the Word for my healing. I had a few of these books last week, God's Creative Power for Healing, God's Creative Power for Finances, and God's Creative Power. I brought a couple more in. If you didn't get one last week, I only had three. And so somebody's brought in a few more of each one. If you want them, you, you welcome to one today that you can get. If you'll take it and saturate yourself with the Word of God. 
If you're in a circumstance or situation, if you're hurting in your body, if there's sickness or disease that come against you, then if you will take the Word of God and you will dwell on it and meditate on it night and day until it becomes more alive and more real to you than anything else in your life, that Word will produce a healing in your body. I say that for two reasons. Because the Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them. How many believe God cannot lie? Somebody say amen. He does not lie. So that's the first and main reason, and really the only reason you need to go to. But I've also said that because I've seen it happen again and again and again. If you keep speaking the word over your heart and your mind, and all these things. Kara just had her baby Friday. She wasn't supposed to have it. They told her all along the way earlier for sure, you can't get pregnant, can't have the baby. But there it is. There it is. There it is. How many of God's word greater? Say Amen. Do we love and respect doctors and nurses and medicines? And We sure do. We thank God for anybody that's trying to help alleviate the hurts and woes and pains and sorrows of mankind. Absolutely. Thank God for all those. But, no disrespect intended, there is something greater. And that is the Word of God. Amen? All right. So we talked about that last time. Let's look a little bit more. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful. Everybody say powerful. Remember, he spoke the Word with authority and with power. The Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive and it's powerful. The Greek word for the word powerful has the word energy there. We use it energy today. And it it means to be active, to be operative, to be effectual, or to be powerful. Active, operative, effectual. It effects. It it makes some cause and effect. It makes something happen. Something there takes place. With the word of God, it is powerful. Now, now turn with me to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Everybody turn there with me. Let me show you a couple things there. In Mark 16, verse 15. Have it looked here, and I want us to go there and see it. When Jesus was leaving this earth, he records great commissions in both Matthew and the book of Mark. And they both add something to the dynamic of what Christ wants to say. Now, sadly, in our day... Many people accept Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where it says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He's baptized and believe shall be saved. Or it talks about that. And, uh, or baptizing one another, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. Lord, I'm with you always. That's the Matthew 28 one. And many people will take that one and say, That's the Great Commission. It is. It is. It is. And in Mark 16, though, there's some more components to it as well here. Now, sadly, what some people in the world have done And sadly, what people have done that don't believe the Bible and don't believe in prayer and don't believe in the power of God, they have stopped the book of Mark at chapter 16 at verse 8. And and they don't go past that. Let me me show you where they stop it at because it's just an interesting word that they end on. In, In the book of Mark, and if you have a Bible... And you very well could have one of our newer version Bibles that have been written in the last 1,500 years, whatever. You could, you could have one. And uh, in Mark chapter 16 is where I think I need to be in. Mark 16. And if you notice, it says, verse 8, And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled, and they were amazed. Neither said there anything to any man, for they all were afraid. That's where they say Mark ended the gospel. You're not much of a writer if you're in the book like that, are you? But that's what they say. And they say, those intellectuals, those wonderful, highly exalted scholars and men of God, 
who have studied the word. Anyway, they say, they say it ends right there at verse 8. They don't like the rest of the verse. They don't like the rest of the passage. And they continue on, and it goes all the way to verse 20, but they don't, they don't like that. Verse 15 is what they would like to say is not the gospel, but we read. We read in 2 Thessalonians, or 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 17, all Scripture is inspired of God. Everybody say all Scripture, inspired of God. So if you've got a Bible that has taken out this passage that I'm about to read, no disrespect intended, but get you another Bible. Get you a new Bible. Get another one, okay? That one won't work for you. And when people start chopping out, cutting out, taking away, and then some adding in, all this kind of stuff, uh, you, you don't need to have that as your Bible. Get the pure, unadulterated Word of God. I'm not saying it's only the King James Version. I'm not saying that. It's a good one. That's what I use all the time because I don't trust a whole lot of made sense. And New King James is pretty good. If you can't handle some these and thous in the King James, go to that New King James route. But if you've got one that doesn't have these others out there in it, then, then get away from it. Get away. Get you something else that does. All right. Now, notice, notice what it said. We're talking about the Word of God being effectual or being powerful. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, let me get there on the iPad here. Mark 16 and verse 15, the Bible says, Jesus said unto them, He said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to go into all the world and preach. What is preach? Preach is a word spoken. Go preach the gospel. Go say something. Go exhort. Go speak loudly to those who will listen. Tell people the words of God. Go and preach the good news, the gospel, to every creature. Somebody says sometimes, you know, I just need God to tell me what to do. T.L. Osborne, who uh, was very greatly used in ministry along about the year of 1947, 48, right along in there after seeing a, a ministry of William Branham out in uh, California and the Lord just speaking to him to get out and go do something for God and he started moving and, and he said that he, what he saw was this verse, verse 15, that the Bible said go preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody said, well, did the Lord tell you to go to India? He said, no. He said, did the Lord tell you to go to the other 70 nations of the world that you went to? He said, no. He said, why did you go? He said, because I read in verse 15 when it said go preach to every creature, and I found out creatures live other places other than America, so I began to go in everywhere a door would open for me. Makes good sense, doesn't it? He just obeyed the word of God for what the word of God said and said go. And you got people like that today sometimes. Well, I don't know if I ought to do that in the church or not. I don't know if God's called me to a certain ministry in the church. Might be a ministry of nursing, it might be a ministry of uh, maybe helping with the uh, maintenance of the church, or clean up a church, or this of the church, or that of the church. I don't know if God's called me to that. I just don't know, so I just won't do it. Well, what I always say to people when they say that is this: Well, go ahead and give it a try. I don't think God will strike you dead for doing it anyway. And if you're gonna miss God's will, you might as well miss God in a clean church and one that's dirty. <laughs> but we got a clean one. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. But, but you have people like, well, the Word said, go preach the gospel to every creature. So, so do that until he says, okay, the place I want you to be is uh, in Virginia. The place I want you to be is in Michigan. The place I want you to be is in Haiti. The place I want you to be is in Brazil. The place I want you to be is somewhere like that. Do, do, what, do what it said. You won't go wrong preaching the gospel to every creature. But I want you to see the word preach, the word preach. He that believes, what can you believe? The word preached. Right? 
he that believes the word preached and is baptized. Now, why is he baptized? Because he believed. Right? Believing is not just say, I believe it, and walking away and not doing it. Faith without works is dead. The Bible says three times in the book of James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. And so you must have works that follow your faith. Works do not produce your faith, but they follow your faith. And here he that believes and baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. There it is. There's what the Word of God says. And so in this ultra-modern world we live in, when people talk about you being narrow-minded, then here is the narrow-mindedness you should share with those who make that claim. The claim basically is this. Well, you don't think all these other people are sincere? You can be sincere all you want to. You can sincerely worship the Buddha if you want to do that. You can sincerely do that. You can sincerely worship a rock, a stone, a mountain, a hill, a tree, anything you want to worship. You can do anything you want to do, but unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel that was preached by these apostles, you ain't going to heaven. Somebody said, that's awful narrow-minded. It sure is. And that's exactly the way it is. The Lord God has made it very simple. In this world we live in, they don't want to hear stuff like that. But the word says, he that believes and baptized shall be saved, and he believes not shall be damned. That's why some people cut that out of their Bible. They don't want it in there. Okay. Verse 17, now these signs, or these miraculous, powerful events, shall follow them that believe. They follow believers, not doubters. Follow believers. In my name shall they cast out devils or demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus said to them. He said, go preach, and he said, believe what was preached. And he says, here's the signs that follows those that believe what is preached. Everything is based on the Word of God. It, it, it is not that he said unto them, go into all the world, and as you see angels appear in the clouds, then tell people that Jesus is coming. didn't say that. It didn't say go into all the world, and as you see lightning bolts and thunder and charges, and you feel, a, you know, a, a, what is the goosebumps on top of your goosebumps, go up your back, and, you know, you just feel a, a, a big a glory cloud, so to speak, hit you and that kind of stuff in your life. And that kind of thing. I remember one pastor said many years ago, he said, the man ain't called to preach if he don't have that quickening power. I said, really? I said, well, I said what is that quickening power? He said, it's when you do this, like that. I said, that's it? I said, I can do that. Mm. You know, he said, well, you've got to have that quickening. If you ain't got that, you can't preach. Well, I, I've done that a few times, and I felt the power when I've done it. That's okay. That's okay. But that ain't what you need to preach. What you need to preach is the word of Almighty God. That's what you need to preach. Preach the word. Preach the word. But these signs follow believers. They follow them. And so it, some people want to start out and say, I want to see a sign, and they ain't believing yet. And the reason they ain't believing yet because they ain't heard the word preached yet. It, it is amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I, I've been in, over my lifespan, I've been into a number of uh, miraculous services and, and ministries and people. And I've, I've looked and studied the crowds of places that I've been and where I went and, and saw just tremendous things happen. And see people come in and they came into that service and they had no interest whatsoever in the song service. and had no interest in the preacher, nothing, just waiting because I want to see something happen was their attitude. And by and large, 99.9% .9 of those that wanted to see something happen didn't see a thing happen. 
Because this thing works just like God said it was. The just shall live by faith. And, that, and that's where we have to be in our life. And you don't get faith until you've got the word. They preach the word first, then they believe, then after they believe, then the signs. I mean, people's got it backwards when they sort of, I want the sign first. If I could just feel something go through my body, then I would believe. Well, what you're wanting is a sign first. Or if I could just see something. Well, what you're wanting is a sign first. Have I seen some things? Yes. Have I felt some things? Yes. But not first. Not first. And if you come to God with that, uh, before I'll believe what you say, God, I guess you're going to have to part Red Sea for me. Other than that, I think you're a liar. No. No, you can't approach God that way. No. We believe first. Then you will see. The Old Testament prophet says this, if we know, we'll follow on to know. We follow on to know. Follow, follow on. Okay? And so then we preach. Now, notice what they did in Mark 16, verse 20. They went forth and preached. Notice it does not say they went forth and started doing these signs. They went forth and preached. Why did they do that? Because they, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach. They were doing what Jesus said do, which is preach. Go tell people. What, what, what do you need to tell people today? You need to tell people the same thing that the Bible tells us. What? Somebody says, well, hey, I'm unhappy now. Okay. Read you're unhappy and you're unsad because you don't have Jesus in your life. You get happy, if you get Jesus in your life, get saved, you'll get happy. Say, well, can I tell them that? You don't know all the problems they face. It don't matter what problems they face. Remember that song we used to sing? I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Remember that song? And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. I don't know if you ever seen that. I mean, the devil doesn't have to like it, but you know, it, it really makes you happy. Real salvation will make you happy. Amen. Everybody say, it makes me happy. It does. Real salvation will make you happy. Somebody say, well, I got this problem. I got this problem. I don't care what problem you got. The Bible will take care of it. God Almighty. Remember, he's Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God Most High. He can take care of any problem, any circumstance, situations you've got. And so, but we got to do it God's way. And what was the way here? He said, go preach. What did they do? They went and preached. Somebody believed on that word? Now then, what happens? After they preached the word that they were sent to preach, verse 20, and the Lord working with them. Notice he's not working for them. He's working with them. Teamed up together. Tag team match. You and God Almighty. That'll make Ric Flair want to run away. Amen? Tag team match. You and God Almighty. Working with them. Now watch God's part. His part is to confirm or make real or bring to pass the word. He's not confirming you are the apostle John. And as they would tell me in seminary, John was the last apostle. And he lived about 90 A.D. And all the apostles were killed but John. And when John died, all the gifts and the signs and the wonders and the miracles stopped at the time that John died. And it was left back there or the last apostle. And try to tell me all that. And I say, well, it's a strange thing to me. that on February the 4th, 1980, God healed my, my eyes miraculously. How'd that happen? 
You know, people won't want to explain away the word of God. They want to explain away the miraculous. And if you buy into that, they've explained it away in your life too. But if you won't buy into it, if you will stand strong in faith and stand on the word of God and refuse to give up and refuse to quit and just be stubborn about it, tenacious about God's word, that this is what God's word said, and I will not be moved off of this. I'm standing on, the song says it, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen? Not going to let go. Not going to let go. Standing on the promises of God. So notice what happens. He confirms the word with the signs. Confirms the word with the signs. The word is what's confirmed with the signs that follow. What do they follow? They follow the word. They follow the preaching of the word. And so this is a miraculous book. It is powerful. The scripture tells us that, that what he said in, in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, remember this. In fact, turn there, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. You know this because you've read it about the armor of God. And take the helmet of salvation. Got to be saved. That's a starting place. If you're not saved, you need to back way up to salvation experience. And then have, get your helmet of salvation on. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Just going here from memory here in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we've got that helmet of salvation. We've got this breastplate of righteousness. We've got the girdle of truth. We've got our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Uh, we've got our shield of faith and that big shield that they have. And a lot of Christians want to stop there. But if I put all of my armor on and I get my shield and I put it in front of me and I can stop every fiery dart of the enemy with that shield, I, I really do. You might load you. Load your shield down sometime with a bunch of darts in it. But, you know, you've got it put in the ground. It's almost tall as you are, and it's stopping every fiery dart. Still, all you're doing is standing there. You're just standing there taking the shots of the devil. I'm still standing, bless God. Well, we want you to be still standing. We want you to be still standing. And sometimes I know you get into a, 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 a problem with the devil or a fight with the devil, so to speak, or you get into a circumstance and feel like you just took everything that you could possibly take and he's going to throw every dart he could possibly throw and all this kind of stuff, and you're still standing. Well, thank God for it. Thank God that you're still standing. Absolutely. But if you're going to win the battle, you're going to have to move from that place you're locked down with all your armor and your shield of faith, and you're going to have to go on the offensive. I mean, you might stop everything coming toward you, but you're not doing any damage to the kingdom, uh, kingdom of darkness. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. It didn't say the violent get it delivered to them on a, on a pedestal. No, the violent take it by force. He, he, he literally carves out of the kingdom of darkness the things that God wants to do in that area whether it's his life or his family, his church or whatever. He, he, he moves in there and violently moves. He's aggressive against that thing. He, he can't just <clears throat> sit around and do nothing. He lacks a daisical about it, no? And for that, the Scripture says in Ephesians 6, 17, that put on the house, heaven of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Oh, I tell you what, my Pentecostalism will say, oh, glory to God, hallelujah, there's that Holy Ghost. Got that Holy Ghost now. I tell you what, I got that Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Made me want to run, shout, dance, and holler with that Holy Ghost. Praise God. But he said the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. 
it is the word. So how is it that I'm going to yield my sword or use my sword or wield my sword as it should be? How is it I'm going to exercise my sword in battle? How do I do it? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now notice that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. What did we just read in the book of Mark? Oh my. We just read in the book of Mark chapter 16 when he told the apostles to go forth and to preach and these signs will follow them that, that believe. And then he said they went forth and preached everywhere and the Lord confirmed it. What was it? It had a word and then the Holy Ghost came on scene with his gifts and anointings and power and confirmed the Word of God. What is that? The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and it is the sword of the capital Spirit, the Holy Ghost. The Word of God is what moves the Holy Ghost into your life and begins to get Him moving. You see that? The Word of God, it is the sword of the Spirit. And so if I'm going to do any damage to the kingdom of God, if I'm going to get on the move... If I'm going to get out there, I mean, you could say that in finances. What, what have you done? Well, you went to the Word of God. You got your shield of faith. You planted it. You know everything you're supposed to do. And, and what happened? Well, thank God. Thank God. Maybe, you know, you, you manage your finances as the Scripture tells you that you ought to do. You got your debts paid off. Got this done. Got this done. And, you know, you made some steps financially and that kind of thing. But you're just not flowing in and you're going to need to go forward. Well, you're going to have to move out of that comfort zone that you're in and go to a place to make some, you know, proper kind of investments and proper kind of business decisions that's going to make you wealthy and make you rich. You, you're going to have to do that. And sometimes getting out there, it's a little scary. It's like the guy that talked to me many years ago, and he said to me this. He said, Pastor Leon, he said, I, I want you to, uh, uh, you know, tell me something. Here's what I got. I got a little bit of money. He had a little bit. wasn't a lot. I, don't, I think 80, 90,000, something like that. He said, I, I want to take this money, and I want to invest it, but I want to invest it somewhere where there's absolutely no risk and absolutely won't lose a dime. I said, there's nowhere you can do that. He said, oh, yeah, I'll put it in the bank right now. I said, you can't do that in a bank. Oh, yeah, yeah, they pay me interest in the bank. How much are they paying you at that time? He said, well, about 3%. I said, no, you still lose the money. How much was inflation last year? He said, about 5 And they paid you how much? About 3 I said, how much is 3 from 5 He said, 2 That means you lost 2%. So you're already losing where you at. You're, and some people have no courage and no faith to get out of their comfort zone. And you have to get out of your comfort zone if you're going to do damage to the kingdom of the devil you're going to have to move out with that shield, pick it up, and start charging forward with the sword of the Spirit. Now, let me show you something. Look with me. Look what Scripture says. In Revelation, I'm sorry, Isaiah 49, verse 2. You don't have to turn there. We're going to Revelation. Isaiah 49, verse 2 says, He had made my mouth like a sharp sword. Isaiah 49, 2. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. I just read in Ephesians 6, 17, the helmet of salvation. Take that and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the Word. Sword is the Word. He's made my, Isaiah 49, 2, He's made my mouth like a sharp sword. Something in my mouth is like a sword. The Word of God is a sword. Can you see that? For you to wield your sword, you'll have to do it with your mouth. We need to put our mouth to some good use. Amen? We've done a lot of other things with our mouth, right? Let's put it to some good use. That's the only way you're going to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, 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 Word. Say something, speak something, tell something. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And Isaiah 49 says, He's made my mouth like a sharp sword. My mouth is like a sharp sword. 
We, we say it sometimes in the natural. Oh, they just said something mean and it cut them with the words. But we come to God. Ah, the pastor's in this confession stuff again. <laughs> well, like I tell them, thank God. I'm healed. I'm well. There's food on my table. I'm in love with the girl of my dreams, my wife. I'm happy. If I'm just in a dream world, don't wake me up, amen. What the Bible says in Revelation chapter 2. There's one I want you to be, Revelation chapter 2. As Jesus is talking through John on the Isle of Patmos concerning the churches in Revelation 2 verse 16, he says, Repent or else I will come unto you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So now I know Jesus has a sword in his mouth. And that makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Because what is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And John chapter 1 verse 14, the Word became flesh. And Jesus says, I've got a sword in my mouth. Somebody say, i got a sword in my mouth. I'll cut you, devil. I'm going to cut you. What kind of sword we got? We got one cuts both ways, sticking in and pulling out. Called it two-edged on both sides. You don't have to swing it and whack and push in and out and it cuts both ways. A two-edged sword. Jesus said it. I'll come on you quickly. I'll fight against them. How do you fight? With the sword of my mouth. How do you fight the devil in your life? With the sword of your mouth. What is in your mouth? The sword of the Lord, which is what? The word of God. So that's how we do it. That's how we make our fight. That's how we come up against, against the enemy of our souls, the devil himself, and everything he would bring against him. I'm at battle with him with my mouth. The sword of the Lord. Look one other place. Let me show you this. Now, this will make you shout. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, it speaks about when Jesus comes back to take over this world. When we pray, he taught us in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13, to pray the Lord's Prayer, and we pray for the kingdom to come. Well, spiritually, the kingdom has come into the hearts of believers uh, that have submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus. But the rest of this world hasn't experienced the full coming of the kingdom yet, but they will because Jesus is going to come back and establish his kingdom physically, naturally, here on earth during this thousand-year reign that just begins eternity when he comes back. And how is he going to do that? How is he going to bring all of these nations under subjection? How is he going to rule and reign with this rod of iron that he talks about that he's going to do? How is he going to come back as the lion of the tribe of Judah? What is going to happen? The Bible says in Revelation 19, verse 15, Out of his mouth, the Lord Jesus, goes a sharp sword. He's still got that sword. What did Isaiah, what did Isaiah say? Tell us in 49, verse 2, My mouth is like a sharp sword. It's like a sharp sword. Jesus says in his mouth, he's got a sharp sword with it. You see that word, it? With this sharp sword. He's not coming back saying, I am Jesus, and because I am Jesus, the Son of God, all you nations will do thus and so. That's not. He is Jesus. He is the Son of God. But that's not what he's basing his power and his demonstration of power when he comes back to this earth on. He said he will come back with a sharp sword out of his mouth and with it. With the sharp sword, he will smite the nations. He'll strike the nations with it. Somebody, and, and I get amazed at these people 
always writing the different books, and they'll say stuff. I remember years ago, Hal Lindsey wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. I met Hal Lindsey many, many years ago in line with him, and we were getting some food together, and he was eating Grecian stuff, and he taught me to eat a little bit of that. But anyway, uh, he wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth and those kind of things, and uh, a lot of people look at how is this going to happen, and a lot of people saw nuclear war, and they saw atomic war, and they saw this, and they saw that, all kind of stuff. Got a, a book from a publisher in, in New York, uh, I'm sorry, in New Mexico, just a, a couple of days ago, and they want me to do a review on it, and the particular book that they sent, uh, all about this astronomer, big scientist guy, and everything he sees in scripture is about numbers, 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 and uh, that kind of thing. And so people think all kind of things. It's going to be happen with numbers. It's going to happen with nuclear power. It's going to happen with this. It's going to happen with that. But no, Jesus is going to take over this kingdom, take over the word, worlds that we live in, and bring his kingdom with the word of God. That's his power. Notice it. Goes a sharp sword with it. He should smite the nation. He strikes the nations with the word of God. And you know what? When, whenever you and me come up against our fights against the devil, I'm going to smite the devil with the word of God. I cannot smite the devil with the word of Leon. The devil don't care two cents about the word of Leon. It don't bother him at all. I can come at him in Leon's name over and over and over all day long, and it won't move him. He shall not be moved by the word of Leon. But I can smite the devil with the word of God. It is a sharp, double-edged sword. And the scripture tells me here that Jesus used it to smite the nations. He will bring millions under subjection with the word of Almighty God. That's how he's going to do it. So my goodness, don't you think you can handle a couple little bitty low-life demons with the word of God? I mean, a couple of defeated devils, been washed up, has-beens. Surely you can. Surely we can. And much more than that. Not to diminish the word, of course. Verse 15. And he shall rule them. Do you want to be a ruler in your own life? Remember who we are. We're spirit, soul, and body. Your body will try to rule you, but don't let it. Let your spirit rule the rest of you, your spirit, soul, and body. And, of course, your spirit is under subjection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of our lives. Okay? But so, in, in, in the midst of that, if you want to rule, the way you will rule is the word, the word of God. Everybody say, I am. I am. You ready? Say, I am. I am. One more time, say, I am. I am. Don't think twice now. Say, I am, I am. taking over this place. Amen. 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 I'm taking over this place. Amen. I'm taking over. That's what Jesus is going to do. Amen. How are you going to do it? With the word of God. Amen. With the word of God. What you do? You look at some kind of sickness, disease coming against your body. Body! I'm taking over this in Jesus' name. Sickness, disease, get out! Get out! You can't stay. Get out in Jesus' name. Word of God has been sent to me and He's healed my body. And you ain't staying. You're out in Jesus' name. I'll have none of it in the name of Jesus. How come you say you can have none of it? Because I'm have none of it. Because I'm ruling my body with the Word of God. Ruling that thing. Look at, look at my wallet, look at my billfold, savings account, investments account, whatever you got, all this kind of stuff. Look at all that. No, nope. mm, you're going to increase in Jesus' name. Yes. Going to do it. Going to do it. In Jesus' name going to give me knowledge, going to give me wisdom and cause that thing to increase in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority and power of his word, according to the principles of finance he's given me, we apply it to our finances, and they have no choice but to increase. Amen. Yes. I'm going to rule. Everybody say, I'm going to rule. 
If, you, if this devil's got, got the best of you and this world's got the best of you and this world's ruling you, I mean, you know, get, get that in your heart and your mind. It's, it's hard to take some of the stuff that they try to, you know, pump out during these days we live in. When they tell us, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. You're gonna, I mean, who are they? Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? To say all the stuff that they'll say to you in life as you go through the marriage challenge. I'm not trying to say be a smart aleck or, or just be against good common sense rules and, and, and things that we ought to all abide by and good honorable laws of the kingdom and those kind of things. I'm, I'm, or laws of even civil government. I mean, we obey the laws of civil government. But when they get outside of that and go wacko, like they have went wacko in this day, who do they think they are? Unbelievable stuff that's going on. Well, you need more and more to rule your kingdom that God allows you to have in your life and those that surround you with the word of God. Notice he rules with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. When I begin to speak the word of God and you begin to speak the word of God toward devil or demon that's come against you, it's like the wrath of God falling on them. Like the wrath of God coming against those devils and demons. They will obey, not because of me, but because of the word of God and because God backs it up and he confirms his word with signs and wonders that follow. Now, let me, let me get to just one little place and we're going to sort of bring this to a close. And in fact, I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do. You're, you're Revelation 19 with the word of God. Let, let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and look at verse 21. As I was praying, studying yesterday, the Lord said, make sure you share that. James chapter 1 and Hebrews in the book of James chapter 1 and verse 21. James chapter 1 and verse 21. Now, you say, well, how, how, how am I going to do this with this word? How am I going to do this with this, this word that you're talking about, the word of God? That's the sword of the Spirit. That's the sword of the Lord that I have. In James 1, verse 21, well, I'll tell you what. Look, look back to verse 20. I'll tell you what, go back to verse 18. I better stop there. I'll go all the way back to Genesis 1 1. And James 1, verse 18. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. My born again experience, my born again life is based on the word of God. And God has begotten me or born me into the earth, if you want to say it that way. He begot me. By the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 10 Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. In other words, control yourself. Do something about yourself. Control yourself. Verse 20 For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. You cannot face problems in this life and just get mad at them. Sometimes, I guess, you might need just a little bit of anger, a little bit of madness to make you get up and do something. Have a little backbone self. But, but no, madness by itself is not going to cause your problem to go away. I mean, it's unbelievable. The other day, Sheila and I were talking, and I was looking at uh, our scales. I have some uh, weighing scales where you weigh your weight, and I looked at it, I told Sheila, I'm mad at the scale. I'm mad at this. It's lying devil in the scale. I'm mad at this thing. And she told me, she said, you don't need to be mad at that scale. I said, really? She said, no, you need to be mad at them cookies and cakes. Is that what you mean, man? <laughs> but 
just being mad won't fix your problem. It won't fix your problem. Verse 24. Wherefore then, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive something. Receive something. Everybody say, I receive. Receive with meekness. In other words, this is God that's doing this. We're humbled by Him. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. See that engrafted word? How is it that the word of God works in some and not others? How is the word of God works more in some and not as much in others? How is, it depends on the word being engrafted in you or not. Some of you, if you just hear the word of God one time, it ain't engrafted yet. It stirred up a little curiosity. It might have stirred up a little interest in your heart and life. It, it might have pushed you a little long, just a little way. But, but it wasn't you. And you'll walk away and you'll say things like this. That preacher said this. No disrespect to preachers. I love them. Most of them preach too long, got loud mouth. But I still love them. But no disrespect to preachers. But I don't care what preachers say. Only when preachers say the word of God. Okay? So you shouldn't walk away and say, my preacher said this. You should walk away and say, the word of God said this. And then again, when you have the word of God and you just read it, oh, isn't that nice, isn't that wonderful, isn't it lovely, as Stevie Wonder would say, isn't that lovely? You know, you look at that and just pass it on by and keep on going. No, you're going to have to stop a little bit. You know what the word engrafted mean? I learned this many, many years ago about engrafting things in Future Farmers of America when I was studying with them. And uh, the thing is this, is you can have a tree and you can have one tree this way and another tree. Not, not all trees work, but some do. And you can find another fruit tree. And you can take off a branch of that tree and slice it and get a good wedge on it where it's not just, you know, broken off. But make a good slice, good cut. Go to another tree and make a slice and cut in there and, and stick that other limb down inside that tree. Close it back up, band it up, do the proper things you need to do. And you can graft in another part of a tree into a different kind of tree. And, and it will begin to grow right there in that tree. Now, it doesn't do it just as soon as you stick it in there. And it doesn't do it if you don't do it properly. But what happens is finally is this, is the life in both of those trees becomes the same. And that's as what has to happen for you. Now, remember the Word of God is living. It is alive. You have to so read the Word of God, meditate the Word of God, to mutter out loud, as it says in Hebrews, the Word of God, to ponder the Word of God, as Mary, the mother of Jesus, did, ponder these things in her heart, ponder the things of God, meditate the things of God, as God told Abraham, I know him. He'll teach his children in the morning. He'll teach them at night. That's why I'm going to choose him. When you go to bed at night, have the word of God in your life. When you wake up in the morning, have the word of God in your life. And, and just be filled with the word of God until what you think no longer argues with you in your mind. Somebody said, I guess I need to bite my tongue, don't you? Well, yeah, maybe bite your tongue. But you need to get to the place where your tongue don't need to get bit. Amen? And if you're going to say something offensive, mean, nasty, nothing, go ahead and bite your tongue. I'd rather you to have a Band-Aid on your tongue and hear a foul mouth coming out of you. Amen? Amen? But you need to get to a place where that doesn't happen, where it's not you. It can come out if it ain't in there. Amen? Amen? That's why you need a born-again experience, not just a religious experience. But when you get born again of nature, a new nature of God, and receive the divine nature of God, as the Bible says in Second Peter, the divine nature begins to work itself in our life. Then it changes all about us. This engrafted word means I've got to keep the word of God in me until it becomes me. As long as you're arguing with it, struggling with it, well, I don't know if that's true or not. As long as you, you know, you've got a controversy with the word of God, as long as you don't care about it, as long as it don't make any difference. Well, I'll just wait and let God do whatever he wants to do. I don't know about all this word stuff. You know, as long as you do like that, it's not going to be engrafted. 
You will have to make an effort to have the word engrafted in your life till you love the word of God. As David the psalmist said, that word I love. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. You'll have to get to that place. And when you get to that place, if you notice what, what Scripture is saying, when you get to that place, you have that engrafted word, the word that has become a part of you in your life. Notice what it said in, in verse 21. Receive it, engrafted, which is able to save your souls. Now, the Word of God, listen carefully, the Word of God is not able to save your souls. The engrafted Word is able to save your souls. The Word of God just out here or there or there or somewhere else won't do anything for you. But that engrafted Word, we call it believing. We call it having faith. That engrafted word in your heart and life is able to save your souls. Well, that same engrafted word is able to heal your body. That same engrafted word is able to give you a, a, a good outlook on life, make you positive, make you happy, make you joyful. It'll do all those things. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 that the person that keeps his mind stayed on the Lord will dwell in perfect peace. You keep your mind stayed on the Lord and on his word. And as you do, you'll have peace in your life. But it won't do it if you don't keep your mind stayed on it. And we have to realize that the word must become engrafted. Think about it. My, my. My, my. I mean, if, if we spend the time and, and we go, we say, I'm having some problems. I go to the doctor and we've got to wait in that waiting room an hour and a half. And finally the doctor sees me. He says, it might be this. Let's try this. You try this. And you get prescriptions. You get drugs. You do all this stuff along the way. And then you well, not any better. Let me call back that doctor. Get another appointment. And so you drag it out here. Let me just go see a specialist. Then you go see a specialist. Let me do this. Take this test. And, and you go all the way down the road. There are all these different things that you're doing. And you spend a lot of time. A lot of effort in trying to get better and trying to get well because you don't want to be sick. You don't want to hurt. You want to be in pain. Spend a lot of time. But why is it? When it comes to the Word of God, we find ourselves just, you know, just a few seconds or a few minutes a day. If you spent that same time in the Word of God, I'm persuaded every promise would become manifest in your life that you're seeking God for. Because that word would become engrafted in your life. And as it does, you would be able to receive all the promises of God. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, they are yes and amen. To all of us that believe, it's yes and amen. We don't argue anymore. We don't fuss and fight with it. We just say yes and amen. That's the truth. That's the word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Stand with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord. I want you to take some effort this week to engraft the word of God into your life. See what changes it makes, what it does for you. How, how it brings things to pass in your life. Oh, it's a great world. <laughs> you can take it over. You can have whatever God wants you to have in this life, in this place. You can enjoy your life. You can be healthy and strong and happy and joyful. And all kind of good things happen in your life. If you just let the word of God dwell in you richly, as the Bible tells us in Jesus' name. We receive the engrafted word of God in the name of Jesus. And as it does, it drives out everything else that's not like Jesus. Lift your hands toward heaven. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father, I come to you. In Jesus' name. Lord God, touch my heart and touch my life. Forgive me of all sin. Anything that's against Jesus, not like you, Lord, take it out of my life. I submit myself to you. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. I'll live for you all the days of my life. I'll fill my life, my heart, my mind, my spirit with your word until my cup overflows. And I thank you, Father, that you always bring to pass your word. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word and me, say it again, your word and me 
are becoming one in the same. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.